are oppressed. We are exploited. We are denied not only civil rights, I'm but even human rights. First place, come play with me. You want second place? Let us sing forever. Let us play forever. Wake your ass up. Awaken the beast inside. What's good? We're back with another episode. Mo, what are you saying? I'm good, Osama. What are you saying today? I'm blessed, bro. So, guys, we have an amazing guest. If you watch the show Rami, we have one of the characters. His name is Damer Hedge. Bro, what's good? Juno Award-winning comedian. I'm so glad to have this guy. One of my favorite characters in this show. And what's up, bro? What are you saying? Oh, thank you, man, for having me. Well, both of you, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. Oh, I appreciate you guys. Before we start, you want to let man, like our fans know where they can follow you and where they can um, see uh, on uh, social media? Uh, yes, like Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, it's at Dave Merhej, so it's M-E-R-H-E-J-E. And then TikTok, I think. Yeah, TikTok as well. They're all the same here. <laughs> <laughs> the first thing I want to know uh, regarding you is you're a comedian. So obviously when people see you on the street, they might see you from the show. Uh, they might think that you're just an actor on the yeah. show. Do you have to get to the point where to tell people like, hey, I do comedy as well, or... It's like one of those things, like, you know, I appreciate it. Thank you for noticing me. And uh, you just take it as it is. Um, I take it as it is. Like, if someone's like, hey, I've seen you on the show. I was like, oh, thank you, man. Um, but sometimes, you know, if I'm, I was opening, like, if I open for, for Rami Youssef or Mo Ammer, sometimes they'll, I'll be, I'll be at the show walking around and they'll be like, oh, you're here to see the show. And I was like, no, I'm doing stand-up. And they're like, <laughs> that, that, that's always fun, actually. I like that more than them not than them not knowing I'm a comedian because that like interaction is kind of hilarious to me. Regarding comedy in itself, the fact that you have a comedy special is important. It's actually special. One thing I want to know is that like when it comes to comedy, it's different in hip hop. Like I don't know why in hip hop there's such a division between like the new class and the old class. Like if you're a new act, you do not want to listen to the past. You don't respect the elders. You like screw the pioneers. But if you're a comedian and you want to become good at the craft, you have to study those who came before. So obviously you have to know where it originated from. You have to study people like Lenny Bruce, George Carlin, Richard Pryor. You have to know how it like started as far as the foundation, where obviously you guys as new acts really lead it to the next place and stuff. What's the importance of studying the craft of comedy if you want to be a new stand-up comedian? I mean, I, I can only, you know, truly speak for myself, obviously, but I mean, it's super important. I mean, there's people, there's comics, obviously, that, you know, that don't know the past or don't pay attention to it. And that's to each of my own. But I mean, for me, I kind of came up watching Richard Pryor, Carlin, uh, Eddie Murphy, um, you know, so it was, that's how my introduction was to stand up. Honestly, it was, yeah, it was mostly Richard Pryor. So I, I studied it because... One, I was a big fan, still am a big fan, and I was just so intrigued by his persona on stage and, and his act and his stories, his vulnerability. So I kind of just, I honestly like molded my my vulnerabilities personally from Richard Pryor, like how he did it and le left everything up there. And I was just like, oh, I want to be like that. That I want to specifically be like that. Do you feel like because you're from like Toronto and Canada that 
there's almost like a chip on your shoulder that you have to like outshine the American because obviously in America like you have you guys have like Dave Chappelle, they have Dave Chappelle, Kevin Hart, and all these other big comedians. Obviously Canada, like you have Jim Carrey, obviously Russell Peters, and like Mark uh, Mike Myers. But do you feel like in your head, like I was like all these other comedians, like there's like there's almost like I don't want to say a chip, but more so that you want to kick their ass in terms of like Toronto is also like the new uh, city for comics to come out and like we can also like shine. I mean, I uh, I. I love, I've lived in Toronto before I moved to America in 2016 for 14 years, but I, I, I'm from Windsor, Ontario originally, but I claim, like, I mean, both, like, Windsor is my home, obviously, but Toronto, I feel, is my second home because I did most, 90% of my stand-up was in this, in this city, and I think, for me, it's important, I mean, to, re to represent just not only Toronto, but Canada, so I'm very vocal about you know, I'm from Canada, and I think our talent here is just uh, just as good, if not better, than American. So I don't necessarily think it's a chip, but it it is a drive where I was like, oh, I want to I want to show that our this city, specifically Toronto, produces uh, stand up comics. So yeah, is is it more of a drive as opposed to a chip? I guess. And as far as your background, can you explain to the audience like what's your background? Uh, my parents are from Lebanon. We're um, Christian, uh, we were born, I mean, I was my whole, like my parents were born in Lebanon and they moved to Windsor and then um, my, me and my siblings were born there. And so obviously, I, like, as you know, Sama, like being Arab and the comedian stuff, I don't think a comedian is one of those things that Arab parents want for the children. Um, so explain that whole thing. <laughs> explain growing wow. up like what your parents wanted for you and obviously versus you finding your own way as far as venturing and becoming a comedian i mean my i was very lucky that my mom she i remember when i was uh, in 18 or something she was like yeah i support you doing stand-up comedy i just want you to get me an education if you can get an education in college which i did but she from day one it was always supporting and not like misguiding me out of it and then my dad honestly just was never really he just was like you're doing stand-up that's cool and he'd come to shows like I, there was no like crazy um like kickback or a push forward do you know what i mean he was just kind of like oh that's what you want to do then that's what's up and do, do you think do you think having your parents support helped you a lot more within you being a comedian because obviously like even like as you most said Mo, that middle Eastern, like me and myself like sometimes when you say oh, i want to do this i want to do this obviously culturally and the norm of like you saying you want to be a comedian or like an entrepreneur they're like oh shoot head what is this and then like like what your fame is going to say so did you feel like that helped you a lot huge i have like you know obviously i have like middle eastern friends doing uh comedy and acting and, and they'll tell me stories and, and i've been blessed not to not to have that where you know they have to hide it you have to like have a constant tug and war back and forth and to prove like there's not that support. That support is so huge, especially in a in an industry that's kind of can be can be rough. Obviously, you know, it can be like discouraging. Not only like so if you're getting discouragement, that's not even a word I think, but from the industry, then your parents are like, "Yo, this is trash. What are you doing?" You, gotta, you have no you have no help, basically. That's so true. So yeah, yeah, I feel very blessed to be honest with you. Is there a roadmap as far as making it? Because everyone knows that if you're a stand-up comedy, uh, you have to obviously perform in the clubs. You gotta yeah. create a routine. You gotta get better. You gotta craft the work. Obviously, there's networking. Um, back in the days, the goal was to obviously uh, get a comedy special, whether it's through HBO yeah. uh, or certain network, Comedy Central. 
and then you get a TV show or maybe a movie deal, and then boom. Now with social media, everything's kind of changed as far as the roadmap for comedians. So do you still follow the old school way, or are you trying to adapt to this new school? Like, I don't know. Anything kind of works, you know? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, I, I don't think I'm, I don't know if I'm really adapting the new way. Like, you know, there's now way more avenues, as, as you know, like there's, you can use TikTok, you can use Instagram, you can make videos, which is such a blessing for, for any performer to have multiple avenues, except for just one, one kind of way. But I mean, for myself, I always wanted to do stand up and act. I mean, like I was uh, the, the path that I wanted to go down. And like, I'm trying to adapt to newer, but I mean, I'm not good with TikTok. I'm not, I'm not the best with making videos. So I'm just praying to God that I could just stick to the, I guess the old school way of, of getting to what I want to get at. So that's how I personally look at it. How did you stay motivated uh, during all the times where, for example, people might like, might be like crapping on you or, like, and, or even when things were not working out your way, like, what did you tell yourself to remind yourself, like, yo, I got this? Because to me, like, obviously seeing your show, Rami, seeing your character, like, again, my favorite character in the show, and also uh, seeing your comic, like, how you're so relatable in a sense. Like, how do you, how did you remind yourself, like, yo, I can still do this. I don't need your bum-ass opinions to tell me I can't. Um, I mean, not, I mean, there's a sense of delusion. I had a sense of delusion. I think you need a little bit of that. I, I also was like, what else am I going to do in my, in my heart? In my heart, I'm like, ah, nothing else interests me. And not, not that it doesn't interest not, nothing else interests me to this level of, of what I'm trying to do. So I think that, those were key motivators, but there was times where I did just get hella sad as I was doing it. Like I was super depressed. Uh, I felt like shit. I felt like giving up, but then, you know, more than one time, you know, even, even times when I was, doing uh well I, there was uh, like doubt um i don't think i think for me personally it's human for each person obviously but for me it, i i struggle with that even when it is good so it's kind of just pushing forward and you know you know talking to yourself but i see a therapist for the last four years so that helps huge to to, to give you the tools to keep your mind healthy when it comes to freedom of expression it seems like comedy is the last art form where it's an art trying to battle against society, trying to obviously legitimize it as far as not being able to say what you want to say. And obviously we saw Dave Chappelle with the whole backlash regarding his special, The Closure. What yeah. do you feel as far as people and society as a whole trying to ostracize comedy and trying to limit its role as far as what you can say and how you can say it? How do you feel as far as being a comedian? I mean, I, I, I don't, I think, you know, if, if the good, the joke has good intention and it's, and it's not harmful, you know what I mean? Like if you're, if you're, if you're listening to it and it's like, it's like, it's, it's like almost, I don't I don't think it's the same, but you know how sometimes people are sarcastic and they're just being a, they're being assholes. And then they look at you like, what, I'm just being sarcastic. And you're like, no, I know what the fuck you just said to me. I was like, you making me, no, I'm like, you're just hiding behind whatever this is. There's, there's an intention. So I think if harmful, I don't agree with that. I don't think you should try to like use humor to harm anyone. But I mean, if you're getting the joke off and you're expressing it, I think when it's not that, I, I, mean, I don't, I don't think, I don't think we should hold anyone back in a sense from saying what they want to say. I don't really, to be honest with you, I don't really have any, I guess, edgy material or crazy things. I talk, I just talk about my family and my experiences. So I never really like, I seldomly have any kickback. It's not really edgy. So, but I, I see it happening, and yeah, again, I think if it's if it's harmful, then I don't I don't think that is the 
proper way to go? Honestly, I just think like comedy for me is a great way to express how you feel. It's also like, for example, like there's one there's one part in the show, Rami, that made me laugh. You guys were in a, with Steve and like Rami and Mo in a strip club, I think. And then you were saying that I helped these girls go through college. I just died laughing. And I remember I showed one of my friends, he's like, bro, bro, I'm like, man, get out of here. It's a joke. It's a joke. I yeah. started dying because my head, like, you turn this negative into a positive somehow and I didn't see it coming so I feel like sometimes people are either stupid because they don't understand the context of the joke and they just see it at face value and I'm like if you break it down the joke is actually really funny so I think to your point I think comedians to me I think yeah. comedians are the news of today it's like you, you hear the truth for their opinion so do you feel like because you have the freedom of expression that you guys are able to say certain things that for example the news outlets can't say or even other celebrities can't say Probably. I mean, comedy on stage gives you a lot of freedom to, to, but I mean, also sometimes when people get offended, it might be also personal. Yeah. It might be, it might be like, it has nothing to do with the comedian or the joke. You know, you never know what's going on in their lives. And, you know, I think as humans, you, you naturally do that even in conversation. If we're just out hanging out and I'm feeling, I'm feeling sideways about something, you say something that has nothing to do with what I'm, I'm just angry. So I'm just back at you. Like, and it may not even be about what we were talking about. I think with standups, you know, with, with like news, I don't know. I, you know, I don't know if what you can, you can't, what you can say and what you can't, but with, with comedy clubs and being live, I think that you do have way more freedom to really speak what's on your mind. What's your favorite aspect of comedy? Because when it comes to comedian, it's pretty amazing how they're able to create material. Like some comedians, obviously it's through writing and some is through conversation. And obviously another is through storytelling based on their personal stories. And a lot of them are able to do like an amalgamation, all three. What is your yeah. method when it comes to creating new material while you're on the road? I mean, there's, I, you know, originally it started off just, I would write everything on paper, obviously like a long time ago, but now it's like, you know, I'll come up with an idea, I'll drop the note down on my phone or write it down. And then I'll just take that idea and um, try to like write it on stage basically. And then do that multiple, multiple times until I feel like it's got a punch, it's got a setup and a punch and it, and it works. So it's just really like being on stage as much as I can to, to work that out. You recently said in an interview, oh, I forgot that, in a podcast that um, Canadian music is, an, is a huge inspiration for you, like Toronto artists. Oh, like, 100%. I mean, music in general, like, who are the, like, are there certain musicians that you can look at, like, that you look at in terms of inspiration for your, co like, maybe not your comedy, but, like, in terms of, like, aspiring to be at that certain level, or, or because you do look up to them? 100%. I think, I think, you know, for me, um, so far gone, the mixtape was, um, that was to me was like amazing, like in a sense that it like it was inspiring and, and I kind of just was like so it was it was the excitement that it that it um, that it brought you know even the weekends house of and then they were from Toronto on top of that when I was living here were two things that were inspiring like art wise where I was like oh I want to do something that's that exciting you know what I'm saying that I felt so I think those two specifically those albums. And then just like, yeah, like you watching like, you know, artists like Kendrick Lamar, J. Cole is like, so, you know, just the way they operate, everything from their album covers to the way they present their music is, is something that is like an influence for sure for myself. When it comes to comedy, once again, in the beginning, obviously going to pull from your influences, right? Yeah. And you said that you're a big Richard Pryor friend, and obviously he's a legend within itself for his vulnerability. Uh, 
his characters and the way he was was revolutionary, right? Uh, when he started out comedy, how long did it take before you actually developed your own voice, your own style? Like in the beginning, oh. were you pulling from some of your biggest influences? 100%. Like how did it work in the beginning? I was pulling from a lot of influences for sure. And I, t I think about eight to 10 years to find my, my voice. I, I would say my first voice, I don't, I don't, I don't like in a sense that, you know, I found my voice, but then I had to like really keep working to really come as close as I could to, to what, what I feel I, I sound like. So it was about eight to 10 years. Do you remember? Do you remember the joke that I guess made you like that one joke that I guess like made you blow up a bit? Like that one joke that you said is like, "Oh, this is the joke that's gonna take my career." Because every comedian or every artist has that one song, one joke, and then, and then through that they build off their career through that. I mean, for me, it's like a lot of times people couldn't tell what my jokes were because it was the pacing and and the energy. So people really never, you know, they would tell me what jokes they like, but it was more of like my energy was a my ranting i guess so i i would say what really helped me was um just for laughs 2011 the homegrown competition i remember winning that and i think that helped me get get other stuff i think it was just the the the, the seven minute set itself might have uh, might have put me in in people's eyes and helped me break through in canada i, I would i would say i would say yeah can you speak about Just for Laughs? Because a lot of people don't know that Just for Laughs is really instrumental for comedies, for, for comedians get breaking out. And as far as the festival that happens every year, it's a real good way to obviously get deals, to meet new agents, and really get your name out there. What did it mean for you just to be on that stage? I mean, growing up, you know, it was in, it was in our households, you know, like you'd be watching, you know, going through TV and watching, and it would come on those, those seven-minute sets on you'd see like I remember seeing you know what I saw Tim Steves is wonderful um comedian who was a writer uh who wrote on the Rick Mercer report for many many years and I remember seeing his set and I'm like oh man this is just cool I want to do something like that so then I you know getting there uh, the first time you're super super excited just even the train ride I remember from Toronto to Montreal and then just being around all the comedians that you, you don't normally see and then the energy of the city and the festival, really all that together just makes it something very special. And then, like you said, you can meet agents, you can meet, you know, writers, other, you can get projects from there. So it's, it's really something that, um, that is special, I think, to everyone else as a, to comedians, but I mean, extra special for us as Canadians. It's kind of, it started here. On, on your show, Remy, you work with a lot of um, unique, like, individuals. Do you feel like any of your co-stars have given you some amazing advice that, like, that stuck with and resonated with you and that helped you become a better, like, comedian or even a better actor in that sense? 100%. I mean, specifically, Rami Youssef is, like, just his directing as a, as a, as a director and a friend has helped me uh, become a 100% better actor. Like, way better. Just the ability to... to, to like he knows me and he just his his way of guiding me through the seasons has made me way way better i mean also as a stand-up as well because he's a, he's, a, he's a brilliant stand-up mo ammer as well you know mo ammer's energy his charisma the way he just kind of maneuvers his confidence you can't uh, it helps out steve way as well super super funny he, his his timing on the show and his the way he acts is just you know i 
Uh, she's so funny on the show. He's just natural. It comes off supernatural. I mean, the, the whole cast, he am the mom. She directed the episode I did this year, and she made me 100%. Uh, the episode that was based on my character, uh, or my uh, episode for the character, sorry. She helped me become a way, way better actor. Her guidance throughout and, you know, watching everyone else, honestly, like every every person, May, um, the father on the show, um, or like everybody was great. And then when Mahershala was, was, was on the show, it just that was like a crazy experience because you're learning from one of the best. And that's a beautiful thing because you see it on the show. And obviously, like most TV shows, co-stars might not get along, but either way, you can't tell because they're acting. But the fact that you, Rami, and Mo are on stage doing live comedy and everything, all that stuff, and the fact they do a show together, the chemistry, you could tell, it's like, it's so enhancing. Speak about that. Like, what makes the chemistry so strong with you guys? I mean, we, I've known Rami for like over 10 years. You know, I met him, I met him before the show. I, I, I was I'm friends with him. You know what I mean? Mo, I met like seven years ago, maybe eight years ago. Steve, I met on the show, but I mean, it was immediate. It was all love. I think it is that thing of like, that's how we speak to each other. Not how, like we have this bond off camera that when it's, when you go to camera, it's like, you just feel so familiar and comfortable with each person. And then you're able to, you know what I mean? You're able to like really be yourself, not be, be yourself. You just, you just feel comfortable and you're able to like, you want to work hard and you want to really like make them laugh and, it's, and everyone's inspiring each other, I think. I mean, I'm inspired by each of uh, each of them. Yeah, I, I can personally in the show like uh, you, Rami, and Mo. Um, it almost sometimes seems like nothing is scripted. It's like you guys are just being you. Like yeah, like certain certain scenes, like uh, I would watch. I'm just like, to me, they're just funny. It's because a lot of, a lot of like shows when they when they I guess try to pay, pay, portray Middle Eastern, um, I guess people they go they, they go way too much. I guess because you guys understand it, you guys know which ones are portrayed, how to make it funny, how to add on. It just makes it much more realistic and much more funny to add on. Like um, to me, I think that's what like I got. Like my friend got me onto the show. He's like, you should go watch it. Like about two years ago. And I'm glad I did because it's like when I just go watch the show, it's like I I want to rewatch it again because sometimes you miss certain like bites, and you have to understand. I was like, oh wait, what did I miss? They got to go back and watch the episode again to see what you missed out on. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of it, it's not like it's a very layered show, right? It's a, there's stuff you're gonna miss even even when I've watched it multiple times. You're like, oh, that that part. I mean, that's what makes the show so dope that there is these multiple layers, and that's why. I, me personally, I think, you know, from shows I watch, like Atlanta, do you know what I mean? Like, that's one of my, you know, you have, you can watch it a bunch of times because you're going to miss it because it's how, how layered it is. And that comes to the writing. You know, that's a testament, I feel, to the writing. There's just such a good writing team for Rami for the last three years, I feel. That's actually a cool aspect because when I think about it, like you said, like most shows where the head runner and the main actor is a comedian. Usually the writing is always layered because the writing team obviously understands and the plus that they'll have a staff and co-stars, they're also comedians as well. Speaking yeah. about how like you're able to bring your comedic timing and presence into a show where obviously actors are just known for acting, but with comedians, they're able to bring another element, another light that makes the show more fun, more unique and more like holistic. Um, I guess like, yeah, stand up for sure helps out if it's, especially if it's a comedic role, 
it helps out big time because you do have to learn, you know, obviously you guys know like the timing and you learn it for over, you know, if the timing's off, that joke's gonna, it's gonna bomb. So then like all, all, all that experience and over the years, you know, especially 14 plus years, it's just like you learn that timing. And so if you're doing dialogue, you can just feel it out and you can hit, it. you know what I'm saying? So it's really, really key. I think, I think they go hand in hand, like in a sense that my yeah, learning how to act uh, has helped my stand up and stand up has helped with the acting. Speaking of your stand up, how do you deal with heckler? Because obviously, like, the, what the biggest thing is hecklers are always going to say some dumb shit because they think they're funny. So when that comes when that comes across to you, like, how do you like shut them down? I mean, each case is different, but I mean, when you're younger, I guess in stand up, not in age, you're just kind of like react in an angry way, maybe sometimes it's so quick. It's like, and you might not even the audience doesn't hear what the person said, and you're just being like, you know, fuck you or whatever. You're just going off. You say some wild, wild shit. Everyone's like, you made the show awkward. Everyone's like, why'd you attack that guy's mom? Like, she wasn't even here. Like, that kind of very... And I think, you know, over over time and practice, you just start to, like, handle it in the in a... In a how do I say? Like, in a way where you're going to get the crowd on your side, and you're also... It's you know, more of control. I think it's just more control. Like, I remember... I watched, um, I'd watched this comic in Detroit called Downtown Tony Brown uh, when I lived in Windsor and I'd cross over. And he would always, if somebody heckled him, he would repeat what they said. He goes, what'd you say? And then he'd repeat it. The audience heard it. And then he would just Wait. go at them. <laughs> Can you see it? The audience like, oh, yeah, that guy was being, that guy was being a comedian per se. So I think I think there's, there's certain ways you can handle it. At first, you just don't know. You're just angry. Which I was. I, I used to snap all the time and just be like, go off. And then, you know, people be like, holy shit. Now I try to do it in a way where I have more control. His name is Downtown Tony Brown? Yeah, he was one of, he was, uh, you can look him up too. He did, um, he did Star Search. He was on Bad Boys of Comedy. And he's really, I think he was like, I, I mean, he was crushed for like all the time. There was not, there was not like, there was such ease and comfortable comfortability with this uh, this man's act like it's really something to watch he, I, it looked fearless that's amazing so and he was always in the pocket he's like uh I'll look him up downtown tony brown when you're when you're not acting not doing comedy what is like dave do to relax be nonchalant like what like like do you watch sports do you chill with your friends like what do you do to stay away from the media and like, all the lights when you want to cool off i mean i um I mean, I used to, I still do, but a lot of rap battles. I love rap battles. URL? Oh, um, 100%. There's another league called Rare Breed. I think yeah, Rare Breed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Great. Um, and then just now, just, you know, if I'm in a, if I'm in a specific city, I walking, I really, it really is super relaxing for me. So like 45 minutes to two hours of walking just to kind of like, in my head out and stuff but i mean and hang with like you know you just hang with uh, it's yeah it's like you hang with friends that are doing comedy and you're creating not you're creating but you mean you just you're just chasing the laugh again there's nothing more satisfying than hanging out with like a group of comedians for me personally and then just us creating having those are like our memories you know what i'm saying it's like it just feels like it feels like such a blessing to have that. Whereas like, not that there's nothing wrong with sitting, like, you know how you go to someone's house and they're just sitting around and they're like, Hey, how are you? Like, it's not that it's boring. It's just like, and then I look at 
my like hanging out with comedians at a diner and it's just so wild for two hours like you have you build memories and stories that can last for like years, right i'm not saying i don't want to cut up on normal people's lives <laughs> but it's kind of hella boring sometimes. i i uh i quickly want to play a game so pretty much what i'm gonna do is i'm gonna throw out four comedians and their yeah. specials like their well-known specials and i want you to pick one of them and i want you to give the answer why um, so the first yeah. comedian I want to start with is Richard Pryor. So to me, like his two best specials is obviously Live on the Sunset Strip, legendary. And the other one I would say is Here and Now. Have you watched both of them? Yeah. So between those two, which one would you pick and why? Is Here and Now the one where he's wearing a purple, not a purple suit, you know what I mean? It's kind of like blue, like purplish, and he has like a red t-shirt inside. Yeah, I think that one to me, I don't, I don't remember all the jokes specifically, but I think was I enjoyed more. The other one was when he lit himself on yeah, fire. Yeah, yeah, right? the red. Yeah, that one was that was amazing too. Especially that story about is it Jim Brown coming over and he and he's like and he's talking to the pipe. He goes, "What's this?" Yeah, and I think that the other one I hear now, I think I enjoyed more. I believe because I think it's just to me it was not that not funnier. I just was really into it more. From what I can remember, because I saw him, I saw that first, I believe, and then I saw. So I was like, to me, that was like a classic. And the next person, Eddie Murphy, and obviously the two everyone talks about is Delirious and Raw. And I want to know what Delirious. your take is because yeah. it kind of depends. Yeah. It kind of shows what kind of comedian you are, depending on what your answer is. Delirious to me was like it was like his breakout, I guess, and he showed so much difference. Like he could be. He can imitate people. He can tell stories. Like there was so much to it. Not that he, and he was doing that in in Raw as well. I just feel like Delirious hit different. That's all I can say. It just kind of hit every aspect of it. Hit different from the set, from the out, his his outfit. Like everything to me was just it hit different. And the next comedian is Chris Rock. You have Bring yeah. the Pain, Bring the Pain, and Bigger and Blacker. Which one would you pick? Wait, which one? What? What? Tell. I can't. Bring the pain. What joke? Is there a specific joke from? There? Yeah, that was the black people versus the n-word <laughs> debate. And then what's the second special? What uh, the, what bigger and blacker was the third one. That's what we're talking about. Uh, bullets. As far as like how you could pay five thousand for bullets to shoot someone. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think I think the first one was like his first special or his second special. Second, ever, yeah. No? I was, uh, Bring the pain was the second one. I think he had this like energy for that. Not he had the same. He had like en a high energy in the, the the last one that you said. But I mean, that one I remember watching it being like, "What is this?" Like it was just something so it was it was unique. And I think I picked. I remember that one I picked more. But the bullet joke is amazing. Yeah, incredible. Yeah, incredible. Yeah, yeah. So I would pick the first one because it just felt like it's like almost like you were watching somebody's mixtape, like like Young Jeezy's when you listen to like Young yeah, yeah, yeah. What's happening? Like, just that you heard like walking through my Air Force as you're like that that beat comes on and you're like I don't know this is amazing, and also the confidence like as he's coming out to the stage you see all the old specials yeah. like that's it's bold right. Um, yeah. I guess, and the last comedian would be Dave Chappelle. Would you pick between yeah. Killing Me Softly or The Closer? Killing Me Softly, man. Killing Me Softly is like, I, my boy had that on a, on a CD, I think, and showed us on a CD, like a burnt CD. And, and uh, we watched that and we were like, what are we watching? This is, 
fucking crazy. <laughs> it's the best. It's like one of the best specials ever. Hands down, man. Hands down. Yeah, it's literally, it's, it's insane. Yeah, yeah. It's insane. It's, yeah, there's no, everything about that was just insane. So I picked that. And now, obviously, you have your own special. I love you, Habibi. When it was time to make your special, were you thinking about, obviously, this is it. I prepared my whole life for this moment. I want to do the best I can. But did you think about comparing to the grades? Or it's like, you know what? I don't want to put any pressure on myself. Let me just make the best special I can make. And then from there, I'll grow. I mean, it's funny because I did it uh, in 2016. I wanted to record something. Like, you know, I was trying to pitch myself to do specials anywhere, like a half hour special in America. Um, and then nothing happened. So I created with two other people, uh, Millen and Morgan, one is my agent and the other person is a, a production company, Macau, uh, Macau, sorry, Macau Productions out of, out of Toronto. So we put together a special um, at the Drake Hotel. We did two shows, 2016. That was, how do I, that for me was like, I just wanted to go up and, and be myself like I, there, there was no like real rules because it wasn't with a network we were going to sell it after and then i think that was the best time i've ever had doing a, a special in a sense because there was no rules it's like we this was our thing we created and then i think years 2018 i got to do a half hour netflix thing for comedians of the world and now when i was just super excited and if you it's just 30 minutes of energy where, I mean, if I can, if I, it just, I was so jacked. I mean, I, it looked like I was on cocaine. Um, and then with this special, the first time I was able to do a special with a network in Canada. So it was very special to me. And, but to be honest with you, at first I was like, how am I going to get an hour? I was like, very, I was like, I don't think I have an hour. <laughs> so, that's the truth. I was like, I don't know if I have an hour right now. So I just thought about, what if, because I was influenced by Gerard Carmichael's home videos. I don't know if you ever see that where he speaks to his, yeah, 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 his yeah. family. And I saw some, I can't I think it was Jenny Slate, maybe someone else or Jermaine Fowler. They both had something to do with their families and their specials. So I was like, what if I just had my family in the, in the special where they get interviewed and they get to comment on, on the jokes. Like they get, they get, their, they get to have their feedback. And to me was like, like, you know, like you, 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 you watch specials and you, I think you, I just wanted to, I, from, from watching other people do their specials, I just wanted to be as creative and unique to my, to myself. Like, you know what I mean? Like, uh, I just wanted to do something different because, you know, and make it kind of stand out, but also be inspired by other specials. Do you, as a comedian, obviously, as an, as an actor, do you feel uh, like a lot of people try to get you to conform to their societal values and you're like, like, F that, bun that shit. I want to do it my way. Because I feel a lot of people try to, like, the only way you're going to succeed is if you follow these standards. Like, how do you feel about that? Yeah, I mean, that happens when you start, too, or you, they, they, you know, people try to do something that works. So if it's different, they're like, oh, what are you doing? Like, everyone's going to have opinions, obviously, as you continue to do this. Everyone, you know, it doesn't really stop. Everyone will have their opinion. And, and their influence and, and what they believe is the right thing for you when it's you that has to, has to know what the right thing is, to be honest with you. Yeah, I agree. I think I, we've even had people like for us with, like, with our like talk show tell us that if you do, if you talk about certain stuff, like you'll, you'll make it, you'll make it. And I'm like, man, we don't need your dumbass advice. <laughs> I mean, 
you take you take advice with I think with obviously with a grain of salt, right? Like you just listen to it, and then if, it, if there's something that is interesting to you and works for you, then go with it. But if it's not, it just kind of just let it go. I guess I guess my second question to you is like, what's your advice? People who are coming from ethnic background, like whether it's Middle East or South Asian, or even like African or Asian, who are trying to like not take that like normal route of becoming an engineer, doctor, and they try to become something else on 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 that like radar. What, what would you tell them, like, if everybody's going against them? Obviously, the biggest thing is families, like, they're not going to be as supportive. What would you tell them? I mean, if this is something you truly love and you have such love for it and you and it, you want it to be, because it's really your life and you only get one shot at this, uh, as they say. So I would just really push, uh, you know, th- again, this is your your life, your career, your passion. And if you love it that much, you know, it, you should do it. You shouldn't be disrespectful to the people that are disagree. But, I mean, this is your ultimate life. You know what I'm saying? This is you're brought into this world with, you know, obviously your family is there to take care of you and guide you. But I mean, at the end of the day, this is you. And I um, also really, really express what you want to express. You know, if you want to talk about certain things, your culture and and don't and do it. Don't don't feel it's don't feel it's wrong. Don't feel like ah, I can't do this. You know, no one wants to hear this 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 my culture. You know, really, really, really dive dive into it and, and, and express whatever you want to express. I have like one more last question from myself. And my question is who is your Mount Rush- on your Mount Rushmore for like top comedians? Like who are your top four comedians that like you would put on your Mount Rushmore? Um, obviously Richard Pryor. Uh, I'd put Bill Burr, Sebastian Maniscalco. I put my homie, Nathan McIntosh. Shit. It's tough. I, I would, I just, I didn't even put like, I, yeah, I put, I, yeah, you got me on this tough one. Hold on. Um, Mike Epps, Kevin Hart, and Rami, I would put like all, I know there's, there's not, you know what I mean? It's just too hard, bro. I mean, I, if we could extend the, <laughs> the Mount Rushmore, but yeah, those are the people I, that I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoy. I was actually getting, he said Mike Epps. A lot of people don't give him his, uh, it's proper too. He's he's been doing it. Yeah, a lot. I was talking about Mike Epps yesterday and today about like the joke when he there's a clip of him making fun of Steph Curry. It's hilarious. He just oh, I saw that video. How he runs and acts like a child with, with his uh, mouth guard out, and then also his joke about how he said James Brown when he would get pulled over by the police, he looked like a Thundercat. <laughs> 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 One thing I want to ask you, because it's actually amazing how you're here. I don't know if you know this, Osama, but in comedy, there's kind of like a, there's a lot of unwritten rules. But one of the unwritten rules is that fact that, like, if you're a stand-up comedian, whether the beginning or you're well-seasoned, let's say you have a, a show. You have a host, you have the opener, you have a person that goes second, you have the headliner. Let's say for yeah. some random reason, a one of the goats is coming in. Let's say it's Jerry Seinfeld, Kevin Hart, Chris Rock. If they happen to come in unannounced, they get to close that show. And not only do they get to close, they get to be on for as long as they want. And whether you're like the opener or the person going second, you have no say-so. Um, have you ever experienced that, getting bumped by one of the goats or you saw it in person? Like, what do you think about that? Yeah, I've seen it in person. I don't know if I necessarily, I've been bumped as well, but I mean, I don't think I was, I don't think I was headlining the show. I, think I might've just been bumped or pushed out of the lineup later. I mean, that's, I mean, that's, that's, you have to respect, you have to respect, bro. Like you have to respect that they, they put in the work and they're at a certain 
level and stature. I don't think, I mean, if they're, if they're disrespectful, maybe you might be like, yo, but I mean, you have, I, I would, you know, let them do their time. I mean, usually I feel like from what I've heard, they're very like nice about it. They're like, Hey, sorry, I went, you know, but it's like, they're the goats. Yeah. You know, how do you, how do you deal with, um, when people are criticizing your specials or your comedy, like, well, like how, how, what's your process? Obviously, like, like, especially now with social media, I have very people like talking trash. Like, how do you deal with that? Like mentally in terms of when you see people crapping on your product? I mean, not well at the beginning. I mean, it's probably still not well now, but I, again, like I said to you guys, I see a therapist, so it helps me deal with it. But I mean, initially it always hurts because you're immediately angry because you're like, man, I, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a find these motherfuckers. But <laughs> <laughs> so then you're like, I, I'm not going to find them. I don't even know. Dave has a 16 ready. <laughs> yeah. It's like, I, I sound crazy. So you just kind of like breathe, I guess, and take a day. But I mean, they're going to, they're going to come at you, man. Everybody. I just, now if they comment on my Instagram post, I'll delete them. So I'll go, it off. yeah, I'll go. Cause I was like, it's also like, get off my page. But I mean, um, yeah, it, it, what are you going to do? Like people will be like, oh, he's on Coke or he doesn't have any jokes. You just, you kind of have to grow and learn. I'm still learning. I'm not saying I'm good at it. I get very angry at first. Like I just told you. And then I think I calm down, but I mean, the more you do it, the more you'll just kind of, you know, learn how to not snap, I guess. People are monsters. People are pieces of shit. People are, people are, but I mean, also people are hurt. People are hurt. And then they're, they don't know how to, they don't, they're not getting help. And then they're just maybe like attacking you. And uh, there's, I think a lot of people are hurt. And I think there's also this group of just pure pieces of shit of human beings. You know what I mean? And no, we'll help these people because they're, Asshole. Honestly, I think this is like my, not my last question for real. Is as a stand up comedian, I think the hardest part is to captivate an audience, especially like keeping your nerves in check, ensuring that, like, yeah, obviously sometimes you're talking in front of like 50, 100,000, or even like more people. So, you as a comedian, how do you like uh, prepare yourself to go on stage and tell yourself, like, sometimes like speaking in front of people, they might get frightened. So, like, what do you do to like remind yourself, like, no matter how the joke goes bad, I'm still going to continue going? Uh, I mean, I've bombed still. Like, I've bombed for. 30 minutes straight, seven minutes, I, you know, you got to just kind of just take it how it is. And then just, I mean, again, it's practice. The more and more you practice and the more you're just, um, no, I don't want to say develop, yeah, develop tougher skin. You're just like, or just, you learn how to deal with that emotion. But I think it's just practice, to be honest with you. And the more you do it, the more you're like, well, I'm bombing. And then you can just learn how to go through with it. My question to you is how many years have you done stand up comedy? Oh, how many years? Uh, I think it's over fifteen years now. Fifteen years. So the like, I mean, like I started fully, fully doing it at twenty-four. I'm forty-two now. So I started at nineteen, but I was in college, so I was not really like I was. I was doing it in the summer, like it wasn't really dedicated to it. To be honest with you, when I look back, but at twenty-four, I think I moved to Toronto and I really, really started doing it around that age. I think a year in, in Michigan and Windsor, I was doing it, so around 24. But I don't know how many years that is, but it's a lot of years. I think it's past 15 years. So let's say 15 years. Um, so in comedy terms, you're 15 years old. The reason why I said that, because I don't know if you know, um, Jerry Seinfeld, he had like a, I don't know if it was a documentary or a small video, and he asked someone, like, how many years have you done comedy? And the person said, I've done it for five years. He's like, well, you're five years old. Like, you're a five-year-old child. So based on the amount of years you've done comedy is actually like the age span of your life, comedic terms. 
do you feel that's true as far as let's say if you did for 15 years it's pretty much your 15 year old child I, I think in some sense it is i think it's like i you know i think i think you just the more experience the better you get but i mean sometimes people are there's this, these gifted comedians that can be like really dope two years in you know what i mean like there's years to meet you like that's that happens sometimes but i think majority of the times yeah it is like the amount of years you do it like 20, 30 years, you're just way more equipped and way more experienced and you have a better arsenal. You know yourself a lot better. So I, I would, I, I, there is truth to that for sure. And with that, we wanted to say thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate your time, thank all you the guys. information you gave to us. Inc incredible episode. I would love to have you back on. Before you leave, please give anyone, as far as a comedian, creator, entrepreneur, podcaster, <laughs> they want to be a chemical engineer, it's like any advice as far as not giving up keep grinding those lonely nights will happen but make sure you don't you don't give up what would you say no yeah i would say like when you look back when i look back at sometimes i was too hard on myself and it wasn't that serious you know what i'm saying when you look back and it's like you put so much heaviness on a on a on a fuck up or something and i think i think just don't just be kinder to yourself in the process of where you have to get and also have fun even if you're doing chemical engineering just try to like have as much fun as you can and enjoy the process as it happens, which I kind of really didn't do all the time. I didn't enjoy the process because I was, I had an angle and you know what I mean? I was like too down on my luck. I'd say those three things, be kind to yourself, enjoy the process and have fun. You guys thought we were done? I don't think so. We still got to wrap it up. Please follow me at Kusa 300 Follow my co-host Muhammad at Muhammad.global. Make sure to follow our page at Instagram. Also, make sure to subscribe to all our platforms. We drop every Wednesday at 12 p.m. Thank you. We'll see you next week.